The Small Town Business Podcast is sponsored by Visit Gippsland, the land of many wonders. Head to visitgippsland.com.au to plan your trip. Whether it's walking and hiking or cycling or driving, camping, fishing, drinking and eating, you'll be exploring some of the most unforgettable destinations around. Head to their website or get inspired by their social media. All the links are in the show notes. My parents are still involved in the business, but yes, my brother and I took over in 2016. They've been able to be a part of the journey of watching what we're able to do with what they've gifted to us. Are you one of the many, many people who left their hometown seeking greener pastures, fame or fortune, only to feel that pull back when the time came to raise your own family? I am. And so is Sarah Rowan, my guest today. Sarah lives in rural New South Wales and alongside her brother took over the reins of the family business, hardened bearings and hardware. Sarah's passion for her small town is palpable. Her connection to her family is lovely and the sense that the town itself is one big family really shines through. Kind of makes me want to jump in a car and go buy some hardware from them. I live in Harden. It's um, a little rural town of about two and a half thousand people. And when people ask us where we come from, we always joke and say we come from Harden and it's in the middle of everywhere. We're um, about an hour and a half from Canberra, hour and a half from Wagga, three hours from Sydney, five from Melbourne. So we're kind of pretty central and it's a beautiful little town, very agricultural based, obviously, being where we are. It's my hometown. I was born and raised here. I'm actually sixth generation of my family to call Harden home. It holds a very deep place in my heart because of that family connection. Have you always lived there? No. I spent two years away at boarding school when I was 16 and then moved on to Sydney to study. It wasn't until I'd met my husband in Sydney and we decided that we wanted to get married and we wanted to have a family and Sydney really just... It didn't fit for the life that I wanted to raise a family in. So back in the year 2000, we packed up and we were gone out of Sydney within two weeks. We quit our jobs and, um, yeah, moved back to Harden to start a family, start our married life and, yeah, be in a place that felt like home to raise our family. It's a similar situation to me. I moved out of the area when I finished high school and went to Melbourne. And when my husband and I had our first child, I just felt this real pull towards that country town, that support network, that family. And so we moved down here just in time to have our second child and I would not change it for the world. Once you've spent a childhood in a country town, you can't really imagine doing it anywhere else, can you? The safety that it brings, the support that it brings is something that I think as a society, we've tried to move away from. We've tried to be everything and do everything on our own. And it really takes a village. It takes a village to raise a family and it, it takes a village to feel at home. It's a real, a real experience that I think unless you've had it, it's hard to put into words and hard to understand for some people. You and your brother fairly recently took over the business. So I'm interested to hear how that all came about and any learnings that you have from that. Our family business was started about 26 years ago now by my dad and my mum. 
My dad was working as a farm manager before he started the business. So had a very deep understanding of our community and what the needs of, you know, our farmers and people in the area needed. But after an injury at work, he was crushed by a, a cow in the cattle yards. So ended up with a back injury. Farming was just not something that he could do anymore. And he he knew that there was a big hole in our market for, I guess, industrial agricultural machinery type repairs and, you know, supply of goods, tools and things that farmers needed. So yeah, went about establishing hardened bearing service, it was called then. And then the opportunity came to buy the local hardware store and timber yard. In order for the whole family to actually come together and work together, we purchased that in 2006 and merged the businesses. So yeah, we now currently own Hardened Bearings and Hardware. So we're a a very, very diverse little business. We supply bearings, hydraulic hoses, belts, a lot of industrial and agricultural type products, tools, building materials, and we also have a uh, Repco authorised service mechanical repair workshop as well. So it is a, like I said, a very diverse little business. And I, I think being in a small town, you have to be diverse in order to find your place in the market and to be able to keep business in town. And so you took over the reins entirely. Is your brother and you, are your parents still involved in the business? Is there any other family in the business? My parents are still involved in the business, but yes, my brother and I took over in 2016 purely for the fact of it was a succession planning. Mum and dad wanted to slowly wind down and in order to do that, it was much easier for them to be able to hand the reins on to us. And I guess from their perspective, and I'm so forever grateful that this is the view that they hold, we've basically been able to get our inheritance now. We haven't had to wait for them to pass away for us to get our inheritance. And it's been beautiful for them to be able to see what we do with our inheritance. They've been able to be a part of the journey of watching what we're able to do with what they've gifted to us. Not many people have the opportunity to affect their inheritance in a financial way. Usually it's not until after the fact that you can invest or reinvest, but you've got the opportunity to invest and reinvest into your own future. What changes have you made to the business that have been that have been really successful or, or have you tried to make changes that haven't been successful? All we've really changed is some of the technology. We've moved to a cloud-based accounting system. We're in the process of moving to a point of sale system because, yes, we are still old school and we still write invoices by hand when the customers come in and book things up to their accounts and all of those sorts of things. So we're in the process of getting a point of sales into place. That's been an interesting and quite challenging journey because the number of line items that we have within our store and the ways in which we do sell some of our products. Some of our products, we're selling them, say, for example, a box of screws. We can sell them as a box, but then we also sell them individually and in smaller packets. And it's quite challenging trying to get all of that into some form of barcode system. 
and the social media. So we do, we have Instagram and Facebook. So that's been, yes, something that we've implemented because that's not something that mum and dad are, as that sort of little bit older generation are really up with. They're getting there. But I guess for us, it was, do do you really have a business if it's not on social media? (laughs) I think there's plenty of businesses that operate without social media, but I know that particularly during COVID, a lot of businesses jumped on to social media because they didn't have any online presence at all. And so that was a way for them to still communicate with their customers or clients while their doors were shut. So I think there's probably a lot of people of your parents' generation who have now learned the hard way how to get onto the social media. Just going back to the good old pandemic, did the town experience an influx of those city COVID refugees? No, we've had the joy of it, actually, really. Our town has blossomed during the pandemic. I've always said we have done extremely well out of what could have been quite disastrous for a a small town. Uh, We have had an absolute real estate boom. There are next to no properties left to buy or to rent. There's nothing to rent. We've had a lot of people move in from Sydney and Melbourne during that time to try and escape some of those restrictions and things that we didn't really feel out here. We were still open. Obviously, there were ways in which we had to change the way we did business face-to-face a little bit more, but we were still open and we were still working and life really didn't change that much. It was more our social life that changed more than our business life. Your hardware and service business, I imagine, was considered an essential service, but you do have another business in town, a martial arts studio, which is, yeah, tell us a little bit about that. How did that come to be? Well, actually, it's it's my husband's passion business. It actually all came about 12 years ago, I think now. We were looking for something for our son to do just to develop a bit of confidence and discipline and focus, and we were recommended martial arts. So my husband thought it would be a great idea as, you know, something nice as a father and son bonding to go and do it together because they had to travel to the next town, which is half an hour away to do it. So they used to have that time in the car with each other and they started on their martial arts journey together. And my husband fell in love with it. And over the time, obviously became an instructor under the support of his current instructors. And then six years ago, we decided to open our own studio here in Harden so that we didn't have to continue to travel. That hour round trip every, it was twice a week actually that he was doing that. And, and just also to, you know, offer something a bit different to the people of Harden. Um, we're a studio now of about 30 students and heading into the new year, we're launching some new classes, adding an extra day. So yeah, we'll be in our studio after our day job <laughs> from Monday to Wednesday. So yeah, it's it's fun. It's fun. I tried to get my son into martial arts, but I think he didn't like the discipline of it. <laughs> it's very disciplined, but very good for them. It's great that you've got 30 students in town. That, that's huge. How many children do you have? Steve and I have two children. We have a son who is Eldon, who is now 18, and he lives away from home. And we have a daughter, Amelia, who's 16. So she's just finished year 10. 
Do they have any plans to move into the family business? At this point in time, who knows? It's not an expectation for us. And even from my mum and dad to my brother and my sister and I, it was never an expectation to take on the family business. You know, obviously they offered it and put it on the table, but understood that if it wasn't something that we were passionate about, then there was no point us taking it on just for the sake of taking on the family business. Because my parents have always been very into the idea of that if you're not passionate about it, you're doing yourself a disservice by not following your passion. I believe so too. And that's why it's the same with our children. And we have no, we have no expectation. Obviously, you know, if they came to us and they said, we really want to be a part of it, obviously there's going to be a job there for them, but we want it to be that way for them, that they've come to us making that conscious decision. That's where they want to be. Tell me about the business community that you're in. What kind of service clubs or do you have a chamber of commerce in town? Are you or your family involved? Yes, we have a, a regional development corporation, it's called, that my brother actually sits on the um, on the committee for that. It's a beautiful little business community where we tend to all try and work with each other, even in what we're actually stocking within our businesses, you know, okay, if you can't get something here, try so-and-so down the road or, you know, we try very hard to offer our community a wide range of services and products within the businesses that are currently there without treading on any toes. And the Regional Development Corporation is working really closely with our small businesses. So I I love it. I love being involved in our local community and part of our small business community because I think that small businesses really help communities to grow. I mentioned in the last episode that there's been all of these studies done that show anywhere between sort of 67 or 70-something cents to the dollar that's spent in a small town actually stays in the small town. And when you think about that and how many times that gets recirculated, it's actually just like this wonderful thing. Small businesses, uh, when they shop from each other, the money just keeps coming back to them and it comes back to them not just through their businesses but through any charities that they're organizing or for schools just over and over again. And it's such an important part of the community to try to get everybody on board to supporting each other. And, and, you know, if there's something that's not in town, rather than leaving town, it's actually not that hard to look around you and find a business that could stock it or could order it in for you. It's so easy to find things online and it's so cheap that as a society, we're sort of getting a bit lazy or we expect to have it delivered to our door. But I'm hoping, and part of the reason why I wanted to start this podcast was just to remind people that behind every small business, there's a family and there's a story and each of those families deserves support. That's something that is really important to us as small business owners because the more that we're supported by our community and the more that we support our community, you actually start to develop a micro-economy. And like you said, that money is just circulating in ways that are mind-blowing and totally heartwarming. You know, as a business, we love supporting our junior sports programs, school presentation days, any of the local charities when they're doing raffles or things like that. And 
within that microeconomy, the whole flow-on effect is, it's just beautiful. It really became very evident in our local area during the pandemic because obviously you were restricted to where you couldn't, where you could go. And I think that actually highlighted to a lot of people locally what they can actually get here in town. And if we don't have it, we have the ability to order it in. And whilst, yes, the pandemic wasn't brilliant, I think that it brought about a lot of a lot of great things as well, you know, opened people's eyes to really explore their local communities and the local businesses and what they can actually access right on their doorstep. Without wanting to bang on about the pandemics, I know we're all sick to death of it. For me and for my family, it really cemented a feeling that we had made the right move because the camaraderie, the support, the everything that was happening in the town to to prop up businesses was just incredible. And whilst look, we did lose a few businesses, it wasn't necessarily through lack of support. Some businesses just couldn't make it through something like that. But there was all kinds of things going on. People were doing deliveries, like volunteering to do deliveries. And, you know, you could, instead of ordering something online and having it delivered, you could Instagram message the shop and say, oh, can you put that aside for me? I'll come and pick it up. And there was just, there was just so many great little sort of workarounds that were happening in town. And I think that a lot of that's still happening. And I notice in the lead up to Christmas, I don't know what it's like in your town, but my town has just been absolutely heaving with people. And that makes me happy because we've got a major shopping center about 45 minutes away. And whenever I see the town heaving with people in the week before Christmas, I know that people are shopping local and they're not getting in their cars and I'm driving over to that that shopping center, which is awesome. Yeah, no, it is so good to see. And we are busy and our local our shop, like Main Street Shopping Center is busy. It's so good to see that I think people are really starting to understand the impact of their money. What's money if you can't make an impact with it? Exactly. I saw that you recently won an award. Tell me about that. that. Was, it was It was a shock. We weren't expecting that at all. We won the business award for the business that employs five to 10 employees. So we were in the middle category because we have eight people work for us, including ourselves. You don't do business for the accolades, but it's nice when you get an acknowledgement like that. It helps you to keep going and you know that you're on the right path, that you're doing what you need to be doing, that you're helping and supporting the people that need it. That was through our local Rotary Club. And I think it may have actually even been in conjunction with the local regional development corporation as well. And it was an awards night. They'd started them a few years ago. And I think just before the pandemic, obviously it petered off. And they so they were the first official business awards back since then. And to spend a night surrounded by our local business owners Celebrating each other is what it's all about, actually networking and getting to know each other and what each other can offer the community helps you to like really connect to what you've got there in your town. And so that, like I said, if you can't supply what somebody's looking for, then you know someone that can. One of the things that I always tell people that I'm working with, if they're moving to a regional area or to a small town, the first thing that they should do is go and speak to their local business group or chamber of commerce and find out who everyone is and try to get to some of those networking nights and also to walk the streets 
best way to learn about what's missing from a small town is to just see what everybody else is doing, not for the purpose of competing with them or finding a successful business and saying, oh, well, if that's successful, then mine will be. But if you just rock up to a town and start a business, you might struggle if there are well-established businesses there already. But it's really cool to find out from people who have already lived there for a while, what's missing? What do they need? What are people constantly asking them for? What are they ordering in special for people? It's a great way to just get a foothold in the community and start building that support network straight away. That's really good advice, particularly if you are the new kid on the block. You don't really want to come into a small town and start treading on toes the minute you're there. You want to build good relationships and start filling some of those holes that are within the local marketplace to really just encourage people to stay locally when they're shopping. Not everyone has six generations of a family in the town to introduce them and to get them started. What is the best thing about living and working in Harden? I really just can't go past that connection to community and the support, not only from my own direct family, but from the people here in town. It's indescribable. It's really a beautiful thing to know when times are tough, people have got your back and they're there to help however they can. And even in the good times, they're there and they're celebrating you and just wishing you well. I really just can't go past that at all. It's what brought me home. Ah, oh, that's so lovely. I know connection is really, it's really important and it, it goes both ways, doesn't it? Once you build those connections and those friendships and those relationships, then people no longer want to order things online or travel an hour and a half to Canberra to go to Bunnings or whatever it is. They they actually look at what you're doing and they calculate the result of what their money does. My husband and I joke about the Warrigal tax. In a lot of areas and in a lot of things that we buy, we pay more, but it's a tax that we calculate as a really important part of the purchase. And it's that little bit of extra that does go back in, that goes into the pockets of our friends. It goes into the pockets of the parents of our kids' friends. It goes back into, you know, reinvesting into these businesses. And so we're happy to pay it. Unlike the all the other taxes that we pay, <laughs> at least this one has a really immediate and really direct result on not only our quality of life, but the quality of life of our friends and our family. And Because it supports your lifestyle. It does. And it just, uh, it makes sense. Thank you so much for talking to me today. It's been really lovely to meet you and hear your story. And I looked up Harden just to see what it looked like. And it's such a pretty town. It's still got a lot of really beautiful old buildings from the 1800s and 1900s. It just looks like such a gorgeous place. So yeah. You're lucky. We do live in a very beautiful part of the world. I'm, yeah, I say that often and and I truly mean it because I, yeah, it's, it is a beautiful part of the world. So many beautiful places are tucked away on roads less travelled. If you're in one and you'd like to tell your story, please send me an email to smalltownbusiness.pod at gmail.com and please join in the conversation on my social media. All the links to the businesses discussed today and more are in the show notes. Small Town Business was recorded on the lands of the Gunai Kurnai, and I would like to pay my respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. 
big thanks to Chris at Jetstreamer for production and editing support. I'd be talking into a tin can without you. Don't forget to subscribe or follow. And if you like what you hear, please write a review to help me reach more people. Thanks for listening. 